All right, not going to waste any time with this. Pastor Ken's got a word. Come on, Pastor Ken. Y'all give him a hand too, okay? That's good. It is an honor to speak again this morning. You know, God's been breaking some chains and, and breaking some things off all of us. Um, I'm, I'm in awe of what God is doing. It's like um, I can see clearly now the rain is gone, that song. It's amazing when the rain's real heavy and the storms, you, you just can't see past. When we were up in um, the mountains a, f a few, few weeks ago, the last morning we were there, I don't know if it was the fog or the clouds or both but it said you couldn't see from here to brandy but um it's when it lifted you could see so far through the mountains and over the mountains um i just want to let you know that god's not done breaking some stuff off and and he, he's not done with me not done with y'all and um he, he's he's gonna continue to break some things i believe he's gonna break some things today one of the things i believe that i'm believing god's gonna do um fear of man has got to stop in the church. The fear of each other and what we think has got to stop. And um, <clears throat> before I even get started, I want to tell you that a lot of times I'll, I'll speak and make comments about the church as a whole or about the body of Christ. And, I use, and I'll go to God and say, you know, God, am I negative? And, and let me tell you, it's not my heart is to see the church be everything the bride of Christ is supposed to be. The church is, that's my heart. I want to see the church be everything that, that I want to see be the image of Christ in the earth. I, I want to see it restored and come into the fullness of its destiny. That's my heart. Now, something that God does with me is I can walk into a room that's freshly painted. First thing I see is the holidays. It's the, it's the things that's bleeding through, you know, that didn't get covered up. And God shows me that. And it's not to be negative about the holidays or that which lacked paint, but it's because it needs to be addressed because it's, it's, it's undone. Can I tell you the church is undone? And, you know, there's things that are uncomfortable to talk about in the church. And a lot of times we just want to sweep it under the rug, but we've got to talk about it. We've got to address it. And... um You know, a lot of times we think the, you know, we blame everything on the devil, the enemy, Satan. And it, <clears throat> I just want to let you know, sometimes God will just mess with you. Now, let me give you a scripture for it. Just read Jonah at the very end. If you don't think God will mess with you, when you get to heaven, talk to Jonah. A God that allowed, he was, it, the, the word said he was sulking. And God allowed a, a tree, small tree, bush, whatever it was, to grow and grow quick and give him shade. Then the same God sent the worm to eat the tree to make it wither just to frustrate Jonah some more. Now, a lot of times we just need to be frustrated. We need to be aggravated because it's what motivates us to get to the end of ourselves to cry out to God. <clears throat> I 
I first got saved, um, anybody remember when you first got saved? I know some of you got to think way, way, way back. Um, I was, I had, God had set me free from crack cocaine, cocaine addiction, you name it. Um, he set me free. I was on fire. We got a hold of these little books that were, we called them sermonettes. Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, Jerry Savelle. Man, you could not find me without one in my back pocket or in my shirt pocket. Every chance I got, every bathroom break, I was in the Word, and I was eating it. I was in, in, in doing Bible study. At, now, this don't make sense. should never have been doing it. But three months after being saved, I was eating these books, teaching people in the church that had been in the church for years. I was just, nobody told me any better that I couldn't do it. Um, I was excited. I was talking to people on the streets. I was talking to people on the job. And <clears throat> I was just crazy enough to stop people on the street that the town rejected. And I'd load them up and I'd take them to church. I want to tell you a story about I'm real emotional today. I just want to remember this guy that God connected me with. He was 15 years old. <clears throat> he was actively pursuing Satan's power. He was in the satanic worship, him and his buddies. They weren't playing. They, they weren't kidding around about it. They were pursuing it. Now, God connected me with this guy shortly after his experience with Billy Mayo. Anybody ever heard of Billy Mayo? He does a journey through rock. He used to uncover the message be behind some of the rock musicians, their bands and their lyrics. Anyway, this guy, the first time I ever seen him, he's 15. He was at a Billy Mayo crusade. Um, later on, God connected us and we became friends and started walking out some things together. Um, in the middle of the concert, or at the end of the concert, he walked up to Billy Mayo, and he told him, he said, I'm going to beat, and blankety blank, blank, blank. And Billy said, but I love you, and Jesus loves you. And he'd go to turn off it and made him even worse mad. And he, now Billy hadn't done nothing but did his crusade, but man, it was, oh man, that truth was just grinding, grinding. And um, he went back to Billy. He said the same thing. I'm going to beat and then get la laid it out. And Billy said, Jesus loves you, and I love you. Well, the, the young kid's name was Rocky. Rocky left. Billy had a motor home at the back of the church. <clears throat> Rocky came back after the service and about nightfall. And he got Billy out of his motor home and told him again what he was going to do to him. Now, this time, Billy didn't say, Jesus loves you. What he said was, come out, you foul and unclean spirit. And Rocky hit the ground. And he rolled in the dirt. Not on the carpet. He rolled in the dirt. And that spirit came out of him. And he was delivered instantly on the spot. There was a glow and there was a glory about this young man that I'd never experienced. Rocky didn't fit in the church. He didn't fit. 
Because the mindset of the church was when you came to Christ and you got clean, your appearance changed. You started dressing like everybody else. You started smelling like everybody else. You started looking. I mean, there was a cookie-cutter mold that we had to fit into. And somewhere along the line, it got stuck right here in Rocky's throat, just like it did mine. You ever had it stuck in your throat? What I've learned and what I'm learning, the closer we come to the church, the more we'll look like everybody else. The closer you come to Christ, the more you'll look like he intended you to look like because you're different. You're different. You're an individual. Um, I'm learning the closer I get to Christ, I can really express who I am. And it's not, I don't look like Pastor Keith. I don't look like Brother Greg, even though I wish I had the ponytail. I wish I could grow the ponytail because I'd have it. Um, whoo. Another young guy I picked up on the streets, loaded him up, took him to church. I don't know that his elevator went all the way up. He was rejected in the community. And he sat on the front row with me, and he worshiped God, and it was a little different. A little different than the corporate stand up and corporate sit down, and I think he did a move like, woo, like that, and it, it, it just, oh, yeah, and people didn't know how to handle that. Um, you know, I remember the first time, and I think around 2000, you know, God started speaking some things to me that was untraditional. I thought I was way out in left field. thought I was, you know, just losing my mind on some theology, I guess. But um, then I turned on the TV on Dish, and I, I think it was Dish, and come to this church called Morning Star, and this crazy woman named Susie. <laughs> Worshiping God like some, I mean, I, I'd never seen nothing like it. Now, it rattled every religious bone in my body. But there's something I could not flip. I just couldn't flip it. There was reality to it. There, it was real. And I didn't feel so um, weird myself, if, you know, by watching Susie. Um, you think you weird? Get around Susie. <clears throat> anyway, we had another guy that came to church there. Um, very feminine acting very weird dressing clothes hygiene wasn't good he smelled church didn't know how to handle and I don't say this and I, I wouldn't I, I don't think I've ever shared this publicly I don't know that I've ever shared it with with anybody but I was friends with the leadership of the church and and members and the kids of their kids and I began to hear comments of making fun of the people that I was bringing. It crushed me. And you know, people are fearful of people that aren't like them. Do you know that's one of the biggest reasons the world won't come to the church? Because the church didn't like them. It, it, you talking about the fire of God being dampened, like cold water being poured on it? Leaders of the church and allowing their kids to make fun of these people. And they want, I didn't bring another soul. 
that didn't fit the cookie cutter mold. You know, maturity comes by taking responsibility for our actions, but spiritual maturity will take responsibility for the actions of others. That's what Jesus did. That's what we're to do. I take responsibility. I'm not down on the church. I take responsibility for where we've been. And I want to see us come to the other side. Uh, if you would, turn to Luke chapter, chapter 10. Mm. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? Now, I love Jesus. I mean, he, people ask him questions, he turns around and asks them a question to get the answer that they're looking for. It's just, how does it read to you? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor as yourself. We're going to come back to neighbor. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you shall live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who's my neighbor? And that's my question to you this morning is who is your neighbor? Do you know our neighbor neighbors, you know, that live next to us that we refer to as neighbors? Most, most people anymore don't know their neighbors. <clears throat> In verse 30, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him. And went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on, the, on that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him, and he bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On that next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think provided or proved to be a neighbor to the to the man who fell into the robber's hands. And he said, the one who showed the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. 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 Mercy. Mercy. Have you ever fell upon robbers and thieves and been beaten down um, spiritually, physically? Neither, either way, it's not good. Um, let's go back to neighbor. I've heard this taught a few times, and it's always taught that the priest and the Levite was just in a hurry. They're in a rush. They're in a hurry, and, you know, they just ain't got time for the guy laying in the ditch. <clears throat> Going to church. <laughs> but... <clears throat> 
word neighbor comes from the word near. Um, there's a teaching that I've, I've been taught in the church that your, your, your ministry is your circle of influence. Okay, I'm not going to shoot that down. There's truth to that. But it don't stop there. Because your circle of influence is your friends, your families, your co-workers. Okay? Um, but there's more to it. To that box you didn't get talked to you didn't get ministered to am I wrong on that Jesus what Jesus was saying is the one that's near to you it's your neighbor who's and, and, and the guy said who's your neighbor so who's your neighbor now I don't know I mean Jesus didn't say who the man was he didn't say what his race was his religion or anything else about it but he wasn't important enough. It wasn't that they were just in a hurry. They weren't important to him. He, they didn't have compassion for him. They didn't have mercy for him. Apparently, they'd never been in a place where they needed mercy. You know, God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Grace to the humble. The word near, means the, it means the one that's closest to you, the one you're around, the one that you see. I mean, Lord, open our eyes where we see the man that needs the oil and the wine. They don't look like us. They don't smell like us. They're different. That's our neighbor. It's not the ones you know. I mean, that's the circle of influence, but that's not Jesus' heart. His heart was far, he, he talked to the Samaritan woman at the well. He wasn't even supposed to talk to women or Samaritans. They, they, the disciples even questioned him, why do you talk to her? Living water, he gave her. Who is your neighbor? The guy felt compassion. And he didn't just feel compassion. He didn't just bind up the wounds. He didn't just pull or pour in the oil and the water. He took it to another step. He took responsibility for them. He loaded them up on their, in his own car, the beast at the time, the donkey, whatever it was. Loads them up in the own car, and he takes them to the inn. He gives them money for food and shelter, and he takes care of them. 
Now, that's our responsibility. You know, it's, it's, when, you, it's when you're sitting at Hardy's and somebody doesn't have something to eat that Tabitha is born. There's a lot more that's fixing to come birth, and, and we've got to get to the neighbor. And the neighbor, the neighbors aren't going to come to the church because we've got a great revival or a great awakening coming. There's an awakening that's already here, and it's been here. <clears throat> I want <clears throat> to... You know, I, I, I got up this morning, and I was going to study. Like I just felt a peace about just chilling and, 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 you know, just hanging out with the family. And um, wasn't planning on speaking this morning, right? <laughs> So um, I, I think you think God will mess with you. You know, I like to write something down from time to time. Um, God's going to take our circle of influence to the next level. Um, is it's not just our friends and families. It's not the ones we're comfortable with that that don't reject us. It's it's the ones that are dangerously. You know, there's some of you hiding at work because you're a little freakish here. Yeah. You're a little freakish in your worship, in your beliefs. But you kinda you just don't want your coworkers to really know how prophetic you are or um how freakish you you know, you worship junkie. We we can't really let ourselves be seen in the marketplace. If we don't allow ourselves to be seen in the marketplace like who we really are, who we, who, who, where we let our hair down here, if you don't allow them to see you in the marketplace, the awakening will not happen. It won't. It's easy to be yourself when I know they're not going to throw me away. Fear of man is fixing to stop because we're going to be all we're supposed to be. The, the awakening isn't going to be in the church. The awakening is going to be in the marketplace. The awakening is going to be through the marketplace and the youth, the young generation is fixing to explode. I'm going to give you some scripture that, and used to, when, when God would give me a word, I thought I'd have to get all the pieces right. Here's what you do. As long as your foundation is Christ. You get some pieces and then you put it out. Because what I've learned is it takes somebody else that's got some other pieces that we can build upon. Because I, God's not gonna just going to give it all to you because he wants us to connect with one another and draw from one another. Now, I'm going to give you some pieces that I've had before we left Ocala. I sat down with a prophet before we left and I submitted it before him. I said, man, this is what I hear the Lord saying. But man, I've never heard it taught like this. It's, it's, it's just... I don't even know if it's legal. <laughs> but I, this is what I've got. And I said, what do you got? What do you hear? And he added upon it. Okay? That's where we've got to get to. The things that you're getting, you're, you think, well, I've got to hold it until I just get it all. Uh-uh. Somebody else has got the pieces. It, it, it takes the plumber. It takes the, the well driller or digger. It takes the electrician. It takes the 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 Guys that come in and, and do the framework, it takes it all to build the house. I'm not even sure where we're supposed to go next. <laughs> Are you with me? Come on.
Go and do the same, he said. Go and do the same. I'm ready to go do the same. Mm. Let me tell you, I heard the Lord is just as clear, just as clear this week. I heard him say, I'm fixing to upset the idol makers. I'm fixing to upset the idol makers. See, we have, we have tried to, we've had to try to um, clip the bad fruit off the tree. And God's saying go to the root because I'm fixing to destroy businesses that have capitalized on the hurting people in the world. It's scriptural because when the when when in I believe it's in Acts I don't even have the scripture but when the disciples started to move in the glory and the power of God, people weren't going and getting the idols made anymore; they were worshiping the one and true God. So they God was upsetting some business. There's some businesses that have capitalized on hurting people. The pharmaceutical companies was one. I'm not going to mess with too many others. But let me tell you something. God's fitness set people free. And they're going to turn upside down their business. If they've capitalized on God's people and God's children, he's going to mess them up. People's shadow casters isn't some catchphrase. Shadow casters. They brought mats out and laid people on the side of the road that as the disciples walked by, as Peter walked by, his shadow cast it on them and they were healed. They were delivered. They were set free. Shadow casters. There's going to be some... There's shadow casters already here. There's shadow casters coming. They... We, I don't even know who the dude was that prophesied it, but they had... They, you know, they screw on their horns and, you know, they got body piercings all over. They got tattoos. I mean, that they are funky looking. Shadow casters. Shadow casters, you know, <clears throat> they'll never fit our any. They'll never fit what the Christian mold is supposed to look like. But they'll be powerhouses in the in, in in the spirit of God. Go and do the same. All right, let's go to um, Luke chapter eleven. Is this okay? All right. Now I'm fixing to give you some pieces. Luke chapter 11, verse 29. As the crowds were increasing, he began to say that this generation, I think one translation says this age, is a wicked age. It seeks for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up with the men of this generation at the judgment and condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And, because, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it 
away in a cellar nor under a basket but on a lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. The eye is a is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body also is full of light. But when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Then watch out that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light with no darkness, with no dark part in it, it will be wholly illuminated as when the lamp illuminates your, you with, I can't get my thing to stand still, I'm sorry, you with its rays. You know, I used to think, I know the sign of Jonah, and, and Jesus was referring to, um, you know, his, his death and burial and resurrection. I also used to think that Jonah being the sign to the Ninevites was, you know, he just, I even heard it preached. You know, he was spit up out of a whale's tummy. He probably smelled like or big fish's guts. He had seaweed wrapped around his head, and, you know, people knew he was coming. They heard he was coming. It's not the case. If I understand right, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Is that correct? It took three days to walk through it. It was a big city. And you read on in the scripture in Jonah, it took a while for the king to even hear about what was going on in the repentance. And he called uh, a fast throughout the city in ash, ashes and, and sackcloth. And even the beasts and the children and the, and the adult, everybody, the whole, everything, they repented. That's what made Jonah mad, but they repented. This Jonah, they recognized as a prophet because they had a mantle, a certain coat. They, they stood out. Prophets stood out. They, they knew that they were, speaking, he, they were speaking from the Lord. Now, that didn't mean they always listened, but they had a distinction about them. And he came with a message repent because if they didn't repent God was going to destroy something he was going to destroy the town now I don't know if you know this but about 150 years later God ended up destroying wiping Nineveh out 150 years later and that's going to have some significance to what some pieces that I have um, the, the judgment it says that the men of Nineveh will rise and judge this age. Now, I'm not one to teach on judgment. There's a lot, lot better people to do it, so I'm not even going to go there. But I want to tell you what I felt the Lord speak to me about the judgment and how it comes in what we're fixing to see. See, the judgment of Nineveh, or from the Nineveh men and women and children and their repentance, it's not that they stand and they judge and condemn. And that's not what it's talking about. What it means is because of a decision... That they, see, when they chose to repent, when this age and the, the awakening begins to happen. See, Jesus said, I came not to condemn the world, not to judge it, but through me it would have life. Okay? But he, it also says in John 3.16 and reading on down that those that don't make a decision for Christ... Are condemned already so it's by their not making a decision to follow Christ that they receive judgment it's not that we judge and say condemn it's just it's just the way it works it's, it's like a law in motion 
as the awakening happens, and as we see, and it's already been happening. It, it, it ain't starting now. We ain't waiting. It's awakening. Is it's going on? Been going on. As people repent and they come to Christ, those around them, not because of the way we treat them, not because of the way we act toward them or anything, they will feel the judgment. They will feel the condemnation of, number one, the enemy puts that on them. It's not, a, it's not a God thing, but it's where they are. It's the judgment from a decision or a, a decision that you don't make. Are you with me? Are you with me still? Um, that's why they stand. That's why the... For just as Jonah became a sign, the Ninevites, their repentance. The sign will be repentance through the land. The sign will be repentance through the land. It will, other people will see it and see people changing and businesses turning upside down. And, 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 and then we hear about the wealth of the wicked being transferred to the righteous for the end times so that it, we can finance the kingdom and what God is doing in the earth. That's why, that's why he goes right back in verse 31. He says, the queen... The queen of the south will rise up with the men of this generation and judge in, at the judgment and condemn them. Because she came from the ends of the earth, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon's here. Scripture said when she came, she heard how wise he was, and she came for wisdom. There's Men and women that hold the finances that the body of Christ needs. And they, God's fixing to disrupt the way things have always been and their, their quick quickness to solve, be, solve problems that has brought them into the success. He's going to frustrate that because they're going to need the wisdom from the church. Because as things get darker, the church is going to have more glory and have a light, and people are going to see it. They're going to come. That's what I really believe in my heart. That's why Jesus brings up the queen of, queen of Sheba. When she received the wisdom from Solomon, she began to release that what she had. She began to, did he need it? No. But she released it. Men and women that own businesses are fixing to release it. They're fixing to release Some of them just going to flat out get radically changed and saved and, 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 and redirect their money. It's, it's, it's happening now, and it's going to come quick. Even that is a sign. People will see it. They'll see it. It's a sign of what God is doing in the earth in, in the end times. trying to get Bible and I'm getting Facebook. 
So either I got big fingers or... Now, like I said, I'm, I'm presenting what I have. Now, I know there's, there's teaching in the judgment of God and, and different things there. I know there's a lot more. Um, that's just not what I was hearing. I'm giving you what I hear. What I hear is the awakening. I hear and I see the awakening being in the marketplace. Can I tell you that's, can I tell you that's why? God has used the financial times to connect ministers back in the marketplace. I'm going to go a step further. See, God gave gifts unto men, pastors, prophets, evangelists, okay, women, teachers. What did I miss? Pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and evangelists. What did I say evangelist twice? Apostle. There we go. <laughs> He said he gave, gave, he gave gifts unto men for the edifying of the church, the building up of the saints. And we've always viewed that within the four walls of the church. I, want, I dare tell you that there's apostles that are over businesses and corporations. There's pastors in the marketplace. There's evangelists within the marketplace. There's teachers within the business and corporate world. There's a business we used to work for, and when God was speaking some of this to me, the cool, really cool thing is the president of the company, last name was King. So he was the king, okay? And he took his apostleship, and he spoke it into another apostle that was over the, or overseeing pastors and teachers and evangelists. And what they did is their message, which was a message of greed, came through the king to the apostles and prophets and everything and, and, and brought the corporation to function. Now, that's the negative side. That's the false side of those gifts within, within, the, within the world. Okay? They're still there. If, if there's a true prophet, there's a false prophet. <clears throat> And what I began to hear was I heard the voice of the enemy coming through the false gifts. Now, if there's false gifts, there's true gifts. So now, God is going to begin. See, we've, con we've confused it, um, misrepresented, I, I don't know, or not get our head wrapped around it. We thought apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists in the church, in the four walls. God is going to begin to connect the corporate, the business pastors and apostles and prophets and begin to release them and raise them up. And, and, and because, see, if we've ever had an inkling of a, a feeling of a calling before God, we've we got to get into a pastor role. You know, there's, there's some pastors that should have never been pastors. They should have been Sunday school teachers. Or they should have been pastors within the corporate world, raising people up. Lance, yes, Lance Wall now. Listen to him for a minute. He, the, the seven mountains, he, he, he's messing up some of our thinking. And it is time to uh, begin. We identify gifts here 
But God's given us a prophetic gift to identify them in the marketplace and release people to be who they are there and minister. They don't have to get to the church to get in ministry. That is their ministry. I don't know how many times Jesus sat in the synagogues and taught. I don't think it was much. Where did he teach? In the marketplace. People, I mean, their lunch break, I guess, or they put off fish. I don't know what they did, but they got there. It was crowds, and they came to hear the truth. People are ready to hear the truth in the marketplace. We just got to open up our mouths and say, you know what? It's okay not to fit in. But we've we've got to uh, release the gifts within the church and get our head off this being the church. We are the church. These are not the days of Elijah. And I, I know I've said it here a, hundred, a number of times. We, this is not the days of Elijah. It's not the days of Moses. It's not the days of Jonah. It's not the days of Abraham. It's the days of steve It's your day, dude. I'll leave you alone right now. It's your day, Cody. It's your day. It's your day. It's your day. Yeah, Melissa, it's your day. It's your day. It's our days. And you read, read, read from the four Gospels all the way to Revelation. All of them, I believe, if I'm correct, say amen at the end or they have a closing. The book of Acts has not been closed. There's, no been, there's been no amen at the end. The Acts of the church is still going on today. It's still being written. Your novel, your, your, your life is being written today. It's, it's our day. It's our day. The, the scriptures say the, the, day, the, the prophets of the old dreamed and looked from afar at what, we're, what we had the privilege to walk in. I can see businesses going about their, their daily routine and it just being all messed up from somebody being healed or somebody being delivered or a demon being cast. Oh, we can't cast. We got to get them to the church to cast out demons. We, we can't cast them, cast demons out. Okay, so you lose your job because you cast out a demon. I think God can handle it. Oh, yeah. I, I remember a young man sitting in front of me at, at, at a company we were working for and, and, the, and he came through the door and I mean you could just see he, he had been through some mess over the weekend and I mean just had it all over him and as soon as he walked through the door my spirit said cocaine now when you go saying something to somebody about cocaine or something that you, you know the Lord you know there's that fear it's, man Lord if I miss that I don't know how they're going to respond most of the time when you get it right most of the time you're right there on it and if it's hard for you to say it and your spirit's jumping all over the place, you bout right on most of the time. So he sat down. He, he didn't tell me what was going on. And he was just, man. And I, I just, I spoke what I heard. I said, um, it's okay. God can deal with the cocaine that, that you went through. And he just began to break and bawl. What good is the prophetic just in here? 
What good is what God has taught us how to listen and hear accurately and step out in a safe place? What good is it if we just leave it here? You know, it, the hardest thing for me to do is prophesy over people I know. Because you've got the natural involved. And you, got the, and you know something? Let me tell you something else about the prophetic. It has to do with the natural. Sometimes you've got the bits and pieces of the natural, and it's okay to know it. It don't mean it's not prophetic. It doesn't mean God's not talking about a certain area. We think it's got to be mystical and, oh, I've got to have something that, oh, I would have never known. That's cool when it does. God wants us to step out prophetically. And the stuff we've learned here, the stuff we've... Our kids are daring to. Our kids will. We've got, we've got some kids that are that's not going to bend. We've got some kids that are, that are strong enough. Oh, some of them's this big, some of them's this... I've seen them through children's church. I've seen them through, from come through children's church to the teenagers. I remember when Josiah was a little one. I've had all of them that we see that's been teens in children's church, and I've watched them grow. They're powerhouses in the spirit. And you know something? I sit in a room full of people that have compassion and mercy and know what it's like. The hell on earth, they know what it's like. And those kids have seen us be real and not hide the things that we've gone through. And they, it's been made them powerhouses. And we've imparted to them. And, and, and it's not just them powerhouses. Y'all are powerhouses. We're going to be powerhouses. But we're going to father the young. And we're going to, we've kicked some doors down. We've got battle axes. We're going through it. We, we go past, we go into the, past the enemy. We cross the enemy lines. We, we're in there. Not because we're special, we're just crazy enough to do it. We're just crazy enough to do it. <clears throat>